I'd been meaning to put up our interviews and all these other special talks uh, about catch wrestling up on some sort of uh, podcast platform, and I'd actually been looking around, and um, now I think Anchor.fm is uh, probably one of the best bets for you. Uh, you the inter- user interface has actually gotten much better. Um, it's free. They also have all these different tools, that, which I think work much better than they used to, uh, to edit and everything, so you can uh, put up a nice podcast, which we'll get more into later, so hopefully everything gets smoother later on. Um, also, they distribute your podcast for you, so it shows up on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, everything like that, and you can also get sponsorships. So uh, go ahead and check it out. This is Raul Ramirez from the Catch Wrestling Alliance, where we strive to keep real wrestling alive. Um, thank you very much to everyone who's listening or watching on our uh, YouTube channel or podcast or Twitch stream. Uh, really appreciate all of it. I think it all helps uh, even just just by uh, listening or whatever. It, it's, a, it's a huge help because we're keeping... Um, like the the name in circulation, you know, we're keeping uh, the idea, or at least the, you know, it's, we're not letting the the memory of catch wrestling die. Uh, so again, thank you very much. It's almost like, uh, you know, it's like if uh, you know, like we're not letting people just forget about it, right? Because if you forget about it, uh, then that's when it really uh, will fade away and just completely cease to exist so all right with that being said thank you very much and um i want to just uh, let everyone know that again we still have the classes at ucla so if any ucla student uh, is watching or listening make sure you take the class i guess what they have is like uh, this thing called like an all-inclusive pass so you already uh can be a member of the gym there it's called the wooden center and so um, once, so since as a student, you're already a member, you already can like go to the, go to that gym, but then, um, you would have to buy like an all-inclusive pass to be able to take all the martial arts classes that they have, um, at, at the wooden center. So, uh, that might be something that you want to try to do. Um, you know, if, if you're a student interested in learning catch wrestling, cause then, um, I guess what they do is they, you can enroll. Uh, in a single class at a time or whatever. So um, just take two classes because two classes are offered. So uh, take them both, right? Um, so, all right. So that that's that's still going on, right? So it's, uh, and then we also, I still teach at Fight Science MMA in Los Angeles here. So um, um, let's all right so oh yeah so, so we already have uh, some comments right so yeah thank you for watching Shinhe. uh Shinhe is watching all the way from new zealand all right so we really appreciate that and uh, he's also a member of the cwa academy so what that means is that um he's learning authentic catch wrestling online um, we do have another student out in New Zealand, but again, New Zealand is a country, so uh, they're, both of these students are not in the same location, so it'd be difficult for uh, for them to meet up. But um, hopefully we'll be back in touch with everybody, and you know, hopefully we can even 
maybe go down to New Zealand to do some uh, live catch wrestling seminars and stuff. So hopefully that can happen. Hopefully that can happen sooner than later, really. Um, okay, so just so you know that. So we do have, uh, it's like if you're not near Los Angeles or if you're not near uh, the East Coast with John Strickland, then we do have uh, online training. So you just go to our website, catchwrestlingalliance.com, um, and you can you can uh, join there. Okay. So, getting to today's subject, um, you know, catch wrestling really almost went extinct, right? And there were many um, many factors that contributed to that. Uh, a major one was pro wrestling. But another major one was amateur wrestling. So the Olympics uh, played a major role. Uh, there are other things you can point at. Um, but one of you, so actually another uh, CWA uh, Academy member pointed this out. But luckily, it was kind of cool about this member in particular named Marcus James. I want to pull up um, some comments he made. But... He was watching one of our old videos. Uh, there was a, it was a special presentation that um, I recorded of wrestling author and historian, like award-winning wrestling author, Mike Chapman. So Mike Chapman is a real expert when it comes to wrestling, uh, especially wrestling history. He he um, he started Win Magazine, which is like the major uh, amateur wrestling magazine. Um, and so, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and kind of just let that that separation happen where it's like, yeah, it's not a pro wrestling magazine. It's an actual to like a magazine that covers uh, Olympic freestyle and uh, the NCAA uh, folk style news. So it, it's a it's a real wrestling magazine. Right. So Mike Chapman started that. He started the, the Dan Gable Wrestling Museum uh, that uh, it used to be in Newton, Iowa. Now I believe it's in Waterloo, Iowa. Um, so Mike Chapman has uh, like lived and breathed wrestling for decades. Right. So he's a real expert. And so uh, we got invited to do a special presentation um, at the home of Joe Stecker. So Joe Stecker was a catch wrestling champion after Frank Gotch died, right? So um, he had this rivalry between uh, an, uh, an Iowan named Earl Caddick, right? And so um, they had some big, big matches and even one that sold out Madison Square Garden, which is one of the biggest venues at the time. Still one of the you know major uh, arenas for all types of events in New York City. So still to this day, right? And so Marcus James, he was watching that video where we uh, went to the home of Joe Stecker and Mike Chapman uh, gave uh, a talk about the significance of Joe Stecker in his hometown. They did a special like remembrance of him. Uh, and um, it was a really amazing day because um, a, a lot of Joe Stecker's real you know descendants uh, were there so i had a chance to meet them uh really amazing and of course uh mike chapman spoke and uh when he speaks uh you listen or kind of a, but uh he's really great at storytelling so um he can um, just keep the whole uh story moving and uh just 
he's really good at keeping interest, but he said something that really uh, kind of caught the attention of Marcus James, one of our students, about what he thinks was a major contributor to the downfall of catch wrestling uh, or professional wrestling the way it was at that time. Right. So um, we'll go ahead and let Mike take that. Well, we'll play this clip. It's actually a, it's a few minutes, so hopefully you enjoy it. And then when it's over, we'll come back and talk about it. All right, here we go. Listen, I've done my research. I was a sports editor for 25 years and a managing editor and executive. I maintain that the three best known athletes in America in 1920 were Babe Ruth, Jack Dempsey, and Joe Stegger. Dodge, Nebraska. Joe lost his title to Earl Caddock in an incredible match in Omaha in 1970. Earl had never lost as an amateur, was a three-time national champion, turned pro at the urging of Frank Gotch. They wrestled in Omaha. The first fall, Stecker's 60-0 at the time, and Earl is 53-0 as an, as an amateur and 47 or 37-0 as a pro. So neither one of them had ever lost. The first, the first fall takes an hour and 22 minutes. Joe wins. First time Earl had ever been beaten. They come back, Earl wins the second fall in an hour and 40 minutes. They've now wrestled for three hours. Now let me tell you, you say, how can anybody wrestle for three hours? It's, you watch a boxing match, John L. Sullivan once fought 75 rounds. I mean, they were standing around, this kind of stuff, catching your breath, shooting, wrestling in it, and a lot of mat work which I'm going to tell you, destroyed professional wrestling. Earl wins the second fall, so they're tied one, one and one. Joe's too exhausted, he can't come out for the third fall. It's his first loss ever, and Earl Caddock becomes the heavyweight champion of the world. From Walnut, Iowa. Right here I have this beautiful poster talking the stecker Caddock contest. Nebraska versus Iowa for athletic supremacy. Omaha Auditorium. Prices. A dollar all the way up to five dollars. <laughs> so Caddock, Joe wants a rematch right away, but something ugly by the name of World War I inter intervenes. Earl goes overseas and fights on the Western Front. Joe serves in the Navy. The war ends and they have a rematch in January 30th, 1920 in New York City. The legendary Madison Square Garden. 14,000 people. It sells out immediately. I have a clip here from the major New York newspaper, Caddock and Stecker to wrestle for world's championship, front page sports section. Dodge Nebraska kid is making big news in New York City and all over the United States. It's a one fall, they agree, they wrestled a one fall. The match lasts two hours and three minutes. Joe wins, becomes the heavyweight champion of the world once again. The match is incredible. I have like 12 minutes of it that I'm gonna show you in a minute and I'll narrate it so you know what's going on. It's on YouTube, but it's a really bad copy and there's no narration. I've showed it to six Olympic champions, including John Smith from Oklahoma State, two-time Olympic champ, my friend Dan Gable, all kinds of, and they sit there and they watch it and they said, this is unbelievable. I can't believe this is what pro wrestling is once like. But that match, change pro wrestling forever. 
I'm getting goosebumps. Wrestling became theatrical. The promoters knew they couldn't have two and three hour matches. This was the Roaring Twenties, the era of the Flapper, Prohibition, Al Capone, Jack Dempsey was knocking his, a lot of his hoes out in the first round. They juiced up baseball so Babe Ruth could take the home run record from 20 to 48 to 56 to 60. They wanted excitement, and people weren't excited about seeing. Now, the way to really win, Raul can tell you this, being a catch wrestling expert, is to take the other guy down and work on it. You get a joint lock submission. Well, the other guy knows what you're working on, and he's pretty good at defending. So a lot of wrestling would take an hour and a half. Raul gets me down, he's going to spend an hour and 20 minutes wearing me out to get that joint box submission on me if I'm any good at what I'm doing. And fans weren't going to stand for that, so wrestling changed. And it became theatrical. They put in time limits, then you saw drop kicks and punching and hitting and kicking. Here's the kind of men that Earl Caddock and Joe Stecker were. So they sell out Madison Square Garden, January 30th, 1920. Next day, they meet within the promoter's office to get their paychecks, huge paychecks. I think Joe got 20000 for that match, and the average working salary in America was 2200 And Earl got like 23000 because he was the champion. So the promoter says to them, hey guys, we just sold out the biggest arena in America for wrestling. We're going to go all the way across America, Joe Stecker versus Earl Caddock. We'll sell out Chicago, Indianapolis, Des Moines, Omaha, Seattle, Kansas City. Joe, you'll win the first match. Earl, you'll win the second one. The third one will be a draw. You'll do this. We're going to work the matches. Now, I'm sharing something with you that Earl Caddock sons told me standing in front of his gravesite in Walden, Iowa, 20 years ago. Joe and Earl don't say a word. They walk out of the promoter's office and they're walking down a street in New York City. These two great Midwestern wrestlers. And Earl looks at Joe and says, Joe, I can't, I can't wrestle fake matches, set up matches. That's not who I am. I don't care how much money we can make. I can't do it. Joe Stecker stops and looks at him and he says, Earl, neither can I. Earl Caddock and Joe Stecker could have sold out every wrestling arena in America and they wouldn't do it because they wouldn't cheat the fans, they wouldn't cheat themselves, and they wouldn't cheat the sport of wrestling. Earl wrestled about two more years and then retired and became a very successful businessman in Omaha. Died at the age of 62 of cancer. Raul and I were at his gravesite yesterday in Walden. Joe entered into the era of predetermined matches. He didn't want to, but he didn't have much choice. He lost a lot of money in the stock market crash and a few other setbacks. He retired for a while, and then he came back, and it was a new era. And prearranged matches were the keys. But there was still something called a shoot. Suppose I'm the big star and Raul knows he can beat me, and he comes to Des Moines and he says, I'm tired of letting Mike Chapman beat me, even for a payday. We're going to shoot. And that means we get in the ring and we shake hands, and he looks at me and winks and says, Hey, pal, tonight we wrestle. That means I'm probably going to lose. 
And then the promoters wouldn't use him again because he killed off the champion, who was the big attraction. So Joe Stecker had to play by the rules if he wanted the big payday. All right. So that was the clip there. I know it was a few minutes long, so hopefully uh, it, was it was as interesting to you as it is to me. Um, but there, Mike Chapman, he uh, said something that um, really caught the attention of one of our members. And um, but I think he also offers uh, an explanation as to why um, he said what he did about the downfall of catch wrestling. And what he, but the main thing that he said was that the mat wrestling, right? Um, is what really helped kill catch wrestling. So it's definitely one of the things that that did help kill catch wrestling. But what is mat wrestling? So that is all the the you say like when you're actually down, when you actually get that takedown and you're down on the mat. I think what in uh, what judo or jujitsu is called newaza. So all the ground grappling stuff uh, we call that mat wrestling, right? So catch wrestling has a very sophisticated system of uh, all these counters and counter to counters and um, all these different types of uh, uh, techniques that might just bore people because also so it's not like MMA where it's like maybe if you can stay on top of the person you can be punching them and uh, like people really seem to understand striking so um, then that that becomes more interesting to watch than uh, just people using very sophisticated, beautiful techniques, really. Catch wrestling has a, this really great flow, uh, or it can have a really great flow to it that uh, you just don't see in jiu-jitsu. Um, so it would be much, much more different. Uh, definitely oriented to stay off of your back, right? So it does have these really cool counter moves. A lot of them will be like you counter the other person to get them onto their back and you get on top and then they have all these counters to get off their back um, they can even get back to standing if they want um, there's so many different really cool techniques i uh, would also include what we call rides right so you ride someone so you can uh, hook in and maybe uh, work on them so mike chapman said like work on them for you know 20 30 minutes or whatever so uh, what that means is like you, you get them down and you can hook your leg in, maybe one of their legs, and you can ride their legs. So you basically ride the person like a horse and then uh, you might be trying to roll them over or whatnot. But uh, if, it's, if it's someone who's really high level, say like Joe Stecker and Earl Caddick, uh, it's gonna be tough. You're, you're going to have a hard time uh, to just like to be able to, to roll these people over, right? You can't just manhandle these world-class catch wrestlers, right? So um, that means, so they knew it too, where it's like, if you have these high level people doing the real thing, they know that they're gonna have to try to tire their opponent out. That was definitely part of, like it was a given part of the strategy that you don't really see nowadays because everything has such a short time limit, right? So that's, that's why uh, even amateur wrestling is, is almost like a, a, a far cry from, professional catch wrestling right so um that's why they have to add like point systems and different ways to make sure that at the end of the short time period that there's a winner if no one gets the pin right so um and then for for like 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 other types of combat sports like jujitsu or judo 
again, they have their own kind of uh, point system to kind of show like, should we like how to get a winner if you know you don't pin somebody? Like judo kind of has like a pin uh, way, like a pin system thing also, um, where you kind of uh, show a winner. But like so, like um, and then also like in jujitsu, if there's say like nowadays uh, submission only events are really popular. But again, like you get two really high level people, and uh, like there are many matches that do not end in a submission. So then they have to determine by points or by whatever criteria, um, like who the winner is, because they don't really, they don't allow it to just keep going and going uh, like what happened during the heyday of catch wrestling. So um, Mike does have a point, you know, like maybe like us purists. I know, I know my good buddy, John Strickland, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I know he likes, the idea of like let's just go back to that right where it's like a pure wrestling experience where two high level wrestlers go at it until there is a winner regardless of how many hours it takes right because it could like so like we have uh on the record you know these matches like how how um, like you just heard in the in the video where it's like these matches were going on for over an hour before someone got uh, a pin or a submission, right? So that was much more commonplace. But it's almost like you definitely got your uh, your money's worth, right? Because you hear nowadays uh, people complaining about uh, short matches, like uh, like especially like when Mike Tyson was fighting or something like that, where it's like you get someone who just knocks out their opponent super fast, and everyone's complaining like, "Oh, I can't believe I paid for you know the pay per view of that or whatever." I think that a lot of times those kind of comments show like. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're maybe the person who says that. At least in my opinion, is not like the an aficionado of these types of matches, whether it be boxing or whatever. Because sometimes uh, the sometimes the uh, these types of things show like just how how uh, skilled the people are, right? So anyway. Um, let me know if you guys have any questions about this. I want to kind of bring up uh, another statement by that student, Marcus James. Okay, so I saved it here. Oh, so um, this is another thing, though, too, that, that got brought up uh, in that video that I showed you of Mike Chapman. Um, let me see. So... So Marcus, he brought up the quote from Mike Chapman talking about uh, the dip and this is the thing. So for some reason, and this keeps coming back up, the whole idea of, of uh, like chokes and whatnot, um, right? And how, just how back in the day, the pin was really revered. It's still a major component in wrestling, amateur wrestling. But, you know, nowadays, because people are so, like, uh, uh, what, they're, they're so molded into the jiu-jitsu mindset that they just uh, don't realize the value of the pin until maybe, like, someone like John Danaher makes a, a post on his social media about the, the value of it. But let's give you an idea of the mentality at that time of the pin, right? So, let me see here. So... Uh, this is a quote from Mike Chapman. It says, you can fall into a joint lock submission at any time in a match. 
and somebody can say it was a fluke or I just got caught. But when somebody puts you on your back and holds you there and you're bridging and fighting and arching, chances are it wasn't a fluke. You were put there. That was a quote from Mike Chapman. How was the audio sound? Guys, uh, are hearing everything all right? Okay, so um, let me know because I think there was something wrong going on with the microphone. Hopefully, it's all right. Hopefully, it seems like it's okay. Okay, so um, um, so that quote from Mike Chapman about the the pin and how it's like it shows way more control over the other person is re it, it, it's like it's kind of hard to argue but then it's just like for people who are just so um like bought up or like um they're molded by this jujitsu mindset um then they're gonna say like yeah whatever well he still had a chance to pin them but it's like when you've demonstrated that you've controlled the other person uh for that long or at least that they can't get out then it's like no they're not going to get a submission and in in wrestling especially catch wrestling if you're on top a lot of times when you get them into a a, a pin we have all these different techniques to just even like stand up right so um standing up is a lot of times is quite often an option that's there uh but it's not like i personally don't always recommend that because usually you're about like you're it's all about trying to uh, fight that person and you know can like go to a pin or go to a submission hold um so uh standing up is kind of like going back to the beginning so then you have the you're back at neutral and you're back at square one and so you have to uh get back to you know getting control again over that person so it's almost like a waste to stand back up but if we're talking about like say like you know it always goes back to like oh the uh if this is a real fight and whatever like if you're able to control someone calm them down like we say like control and restrain someone in a self-defense situation like we've seen actually uh i don't know <laughs> for those of you in the united states there in the news have, have you seen those it's actually there have been several stories where it's like um like some some local kid or maybe like a young adult or something uh with wrestling experience ends up holding down a criminal and, and then until the cops come or or they help pin the person and so that the cops can put the, the handcuffs on the on some suspect or whatever so um there's the that that is the almost like the the value of the pin right so then someone who might who might be complaining like oh we didn't the pin didn't prove anything well they, actually it did it's just you don't want it to prove something right so you you were held down you couldn't move you couldn't get out you can do your counter submission uh for a certain amount of time right so yeah, you got controlled right you got controlled and restrained so that's kind of like the kind of like the was it like the self-defense terminology that that's actually very important in self-defense and and what law enforcement or whatever like you, it's all about controlling people and restraining them um so that you can then maybe like uh what put handcuffs on them or whatever so that's the idea all right let's go ahead and uh let's see the uh, shinhee has been commenting a bunch so hopefully um before we get to the comments uh, hopefully that 
kind of answered a lot of your questions about kind of like the downfall of catch wrestling. So a lot of times, kind of like how Mike, Mike Chapman explained was that because of this kind of like this change in the audience to want like this, this quick fix, right? So there was, uh, there was, uh, he talked about Babe Ruth, you know, hitting all these home runs in baseball because baseball itself truly is a quite a boring sport, right? So, um, so we had Babe Ruth hitting all these home runs, right? Because you can go many innings, uh, without any scoring going on in baseball. That's it's happening right now. Everyone in LA is like so excited about the Dodgers. Our, our baseball team, uh, is like nearing the, its chance to, uh, compete in the world or well, our, our national championship, we call it the world series. Um, and so, um, uh, but yeah, you, you know, if you watch the game, you know, it actually does take quite a long time. And uh, there's all these different uh, innings where, you know, it's it's really a psychological game and between two people, the batter and the pitcher, and everyone else just kind of stands around, you know, may, waiting to collect the ball if it gets hit, right? So um, Mike Chapman brought up the idea that, um, uh, people's mindsets were changing. They wanted the this more of the spectacle. The um, they wanted uh, you know the home runs. They wanted the knockouts in pro boxing. They wanted uh, the spectacle in wrestling. You know, and, and actually a shorter match, so you're not just there all night watching the same two people go at it um, for hours, right before someone gets pinned or submitted, and so there was this change with the promoters that they're like, okay, well, you don't uh, need to even know how to wrestle. You don't need to do this mat wrestling stuff. We just want to see the the show. Let's see the, the, you know, I want you to put on a show because this is what brings people in. And um, quite often, right, how people kind of talk about it, where it's like quite often uh, uh, the they they didn't want people or at least the public to know that it was not or it was predetermined right right so um so there there was these kind of things where it's like you want to keep the show going you want to have shows in several cities uh multiple nights also other reasons where it's like uh you don't want your uh your athletes who are traveling with you to uh, get injured so much so uh the both of the athletes kind of worked out a routine so that uh, everyone can kind of stay safe and you know less injured so that you can be putting on wrestling shows um you know multiple times you know multiple times a week or whatnot so uh, people didn't really understand or they also didn't necessarily want to see the mat wrestling. So that's one of the things that Mike Chapman was talking about. Um, and so hopefully that showed, um, or hopefully he also explained, and hopefully I, I kind of uh, cleared it up also, uh, why Mike Chapman said that the mat wrestling was one of the things that ultimately became the downfall of catch wrestling, right? Because it's one of the most beautiful things of catch wrestling and the whole strategy of like, if you're going up against a high level person, uh, they're not going to be easy to, to beat. So you got to wear them down, right? You got to make sure that you, your stamina outlasts theirs. 
and that you can then once they are tired then you can uh, take over right and then you can pin them or or submit them all right okay so let's go and get to some of your comments so Shinhi um, <laughs> let me yeah, you made a bunch of comments let me go back a little bit I wish jujitsu schools were more open-minded to teach catch wrestling for nogi yeah nogi is getting really popular and catch wrestling is very effective for it let me see Okay. Yeah, so uh, Shinhe is like, you're saying that uh, in the jujitsu mindset, like uh, choking someone out is uh, considered better. What, what would be a more clear way than choking someone to sleep is their argument. Yeah, that's correct. That is uh, their argument. But the thing is, is like, uh, uh, especially nowadays, like you're you're even having so like I I often bring up this match that happened earlier this year where it was like one of our best uh, no gi grapplers Gary Tonnen in fighting in one championship goes up against uh, a low level grappler a karate expert can't even choke him out right so so then one of our best can't even choke out like this karate guy that he had several times to get a submission. So what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> so that, that's a question for your for uh, yourself, I guess, right? You can think about that. Um, and then uh, the Ricochet, the Ricochet. <laughs> uh, hello from the UK. All right, thank you for watching. Hello from Los Angeles. So hopefully this uh, kind of helped you to understand um, why we had this shift um, unfortunately we shifted to uh predetermined matches and so uh mike mike chapman the historian he also mentions that i think he believes that even after world war ii is pretty much like really done because uh so like in the video that i showed you earlier he mentions where it's like if you if i like he says if he becomes a, if he's like the big draw you know getting uh butts in seats, right? If he's a big ticket seller, uh, people really want to see him doing his thing. And if if they bring me in and I want to re if I want to do the real thing and and um, just destroy their champ, then that hurts ticket sales. And so then they wouldn't want me to just they, they wouldn't use me anymore. They wouldn't hire me anymore to for their events. Right. So um, um that that was another aspect where it's like then it almost like deters people from even learning like real techniques and this kind of reminds me of um i do i'm friends with a lot of uh, pro wrestlers and quite often it's like when we meet to train um, it's me training them in how to do uh like a lot of the techniques that they kind of know uh, the the real way because they learn kind of like this outline of the technique and they're trained uh, to help each other out 
right? So uh, doing a throw, it's like your your partner's gonna go going to help you to like get a bigger throw. And so there there there's different ways or different hand placements or different positions you can get into where you facilitate like a lift or it's all this this all this partner work. So they many of them just do not know how to do the real technique. And so yeah, I've I've come across that many many times because uh, I'm I'm learning or not learning I'm meeting more and more uh, pro wrestlers. So um, so people can't say that like um, oh if you if you do pro wrestling you already kind of like catch wrestling is already built in. It's just not. It's become something different. Just like how amateur wrestling has become something different from catch wrestling because they have these different goals right or different. Um, yeah, different goals. So then you create different strategies for each, right? So since amateur wrestling has points, then you have people who can go, who can approach uh, their match from a point gathering strategy, right? You get a bunch of takedowns. You can, if you're maybe not so good at the mat wrestling stuff or like pinning, you can just let the person up and uh, take them down multiple times, uh, win by those points. So that's one thing that um, that can happen as well. So again, the amateur stuff is doesn't necessarily have catch wrestling baked in. So you don't uh, you don't automatically know catch wrestling. That's, that, that, the unfortunate thing is, like I've been hearing it more from people who do pro wrestling, claiming that oh, well, such and such a person, you know, or like um, uh, like maybe Roy Wood trained uh, some pro wrestler in pro wrestling right uh so but they know catch wrestling but the thing is in in wigan so in riley's gym right so um you can you can read it your for yourself or i i've heard it directly from from the wrestlers that i've trained under uh is that you can you can learn pro wrestling there or like that was one of the things that was taught right because uh their coach billy riley wanted to like if if you were skilled enough, he wanted you to uh, make a living at doing wrestling, right? So uh, pro wrestling was taught there. So when I mentioned pro wrestling, this is what I mean is like the, the predetermined match stuff, right? And say so like Billy Robinson, he spent many, many years teaching pro wrestling. Um, uh, so uh, the other thing about Billy Riley, though, was that um, he also which is kind of nice, like he was really concerned about his students, uh, is that he also um, requested that you learn some kind of trade. So if the whole pro wrestling thing didn't like work out or if you retired or whatever, you can retire back into some kind of trade so you can still have some si- some kind of financial security. All right, so that was another thing that he did. But uh, you can learn catch wrestling and pro wrestling at the gym. Right, so I think these kind of lines get blurred. Where uh, you'll have you have a lot of people who it's like I think they just really they have this this hero worship complex about certain pro wrestlers. So then they're like, oh, well, he trained he he met somebody that was like a real wrestler. So then he already knows. Or or the other argument would be that oh, catch wrestling is baked into pro wrestling. Um, it's not. It's not. So let's just go ahead and end that there. It's not. Um, uh, the ricochet. Uh, you can strangle anyone if you know how. Well, it depends. I mean, we got like, like I said, we have a real expert 
and he couldn't do it against a karate guy, right? So maybe he'd have to try try again, right? <laughs> Uh, they still end up, ended up uh, giving Tan in the match, um, so they probably won't have a rematch. But I really, um, yeah, the I, I can't remember the the karate guy's name. Sorry, it's just he's not as, as famous, I guess. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's really easy to defend chokes, right? Uh, Shinhi, I think you can say WWE is not wrestling. I agree. Uh, let me see. Shouldn't he? Yeah, that's kind of. Shouldn't he mentions a real famous pro wrestler that he did have some time uh, learning some some techniques. I think they kind of showed him some some like the real versions of some of the moves and stuff. So then, yeah, you, automatically you'll 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 hear. The, the fanboys talk about like oh well, the, he was real you know he knew every, you know he knew everything and it's like um, then when they spend more time training for something else um, then that means there's less time training the real thing so and they're probably not ever really training uh, the real techniques because they're making money they're making plenty of money uh, doing the doing their <clears throat> doing their uh, doing the show like working working on doing the next show because say like in WWE well they have like more than like three or two at least two shows a week or something so they have a very busy schedule uh, and they're always putting on shows at least in the United States it's like we have what two televised events every week so uh, really busy and then they have like the pay-per-views, right? So they have what WrestleMania and all these other things, and plus we have what several uh, promotions and stuff. So, um, so there, right? There's that. <laughs> okay. So again, I think that kind of shows because WWE is very is very successful, is very popular. You know, that we have two televised shows per week, uh, just of WWE, right? So it just shows that you know they're still. Uh, there's still a market for that. People still really want to see this kind of um, thing, and so, um, so that's one of the one of the reasons why catch wrestling had its its downfall. And so I would so I think today we'll just mo mostly focus on that with Mike. What Mike Chapman said, uh, being the mat wrestling, so people didn't want to wait hours and hours for one match to be to have a result, right, to one match to be concluded, right, whether pin or submission. Um, people wanted that, that, uh, well, they wanted it to be over shorter, right, sooner, sooner than later. Um, let's go ahead and play Mike's clip one more time. Uh, again, it's going to be a few minutes long, so hopefully you enjoy the story of uh, Joe Stecker and Earl Caddock because uh, there were people, and this is one of the things that I, I usually try to uh, remind people of is that not everyone just went along with with doing the predetermined matches people who had the means to like um do something else right earl he he had other things that he wanted to do i think one of the one of them was like um he had like a car car repair some something to do, something automotive business um uh mike i think might mention it here we we passed by his old garage, uh, which is really amazing because it's still there. And of course, like 
uh, his gravesite and all that. So, um, and then, uh, you know, Joe Stecker's house is still there. His old training center is still there in, in Nebraska. Um, he, th th that building's all there, like his house, a few blocks from uh, where he trained. And then I believe he trained on the second floor of, uh, of this one building. And so Mike was able to get some of the, the, like the relics right from, from that gym where Joe used to train. Okay. So here's the clip, Mike Chapman telling the story again, where, um, if you could, if you, if you were doing the real thing and you, you were okay financially, then you didn't need to continue. All right, here we go. Listen, I've done my research. I was a sports editor for 25 years in a managing area and executive. I maintain that the three best known athletes in America in 1920 were Babe Ruth, Jack Dempsey, and Joe Stegger. Dodge, Nebraska. Joe lost his title to Earl Caddock in an incredible match in Omaha in 1970. Earl had never lost as an amateur, was a three-time national champion, turned pro at the urging of Frank Gotch. They wrestled in Omaha. The first fall, Stecker's 60-0 at the time, and Earl is 53-0 as, as an amateur and 37-0 as a pro. So neither one of them had ever lost. The first, the first fall takes an hour and 22 minutes. Joe wins. First time Earl had ever been beaten. They come back, Earl wins the second fall in an hour and 40 minutes. They've now wrestled for three hours. Now let me tell you, you say, how can anybody wrestle for three hours? It's, you watch a boxing match, John L. Sullivan once fought 75 rounds. I mean, they were standing around, this kind of stuff, catching your breath, shooting, wrestling in it, and a lot of mat work which I'm going to tell you, destroyed professional wrestling. Earl wins the second fall, so they're tied one, one and one. Joe's too exhausted, he can't come off for the third fall. It's his first loss ever, and Earl Caddock becomes the heavyweight champion of the world. From Walnut, Iowa. Right here, I have this beautiful poster talking the stecker Caddock contest. Nebraska versus Iowa for athletic supremacy. Omaha Auditorium. Prices. Dollar all the way up to five dollars. <laughs> so Caddock, Joe wants a rematch right away, but something ugly by the name of World War One inter intervenes. Earl goes overseas, fights on the Western Front. Joe serves in the Navy. The war ends, and they have a rematch in January 30th, 1920, in New York City, the legendary Madison Square Garden. Fourteen thousand people. It sells out immediately. I have a clip here from the major New York newspaper, Caddock and Stecker to wrestle for World's Championship, front page sports section. Dodge Nebraska kid is making big news in New York City and all over the United States. It's a one fall, they agree, they wrestled a one fall. The match lasts two hours and three minutes. Joe wins, becomes the heavyweight champion of the world once again. The match is incredible. I have like 12 minutes of it that I'm gonna show you in a minute and I'll narrate it so you know what's going on. It's on YouTube, but it's a really bad copy and there's no narration. I've showed it to six Olympic champions, including John Smith from Oklahoma State, six, two-time Olympic champ, my friend Dan Gable, all kinds of, and they sit there and they watch it and they said, 
This is unbelievable. I can't believe this is what pro wrestling is once like. But that match changed pro wrestling forever. I'm getting goosebumps. Wrestling became theatrical. The promoters knew they couldn't have two and three hour matches. This was the Roaring Twenties, the era of the Flapper, Prohibition, Al Capone. Jack Dempsey was knocking his, a lot of his foes out in the first round. They juiced up baseball so Babe Ruth could take the home run record from 20 to 48 to 56 to 60. They wanted excitement, and people weren't excited about seeing. Now, the way to really win, Raul can tell you this, being a catch wrestling expert, is to take the other guy down and work on it. You get a joint lock submission. Well, the other guy knows what you're working on, and he's pretty good at defending. So a lot of wrestling would take an hour and a half. Raul gets me down, he's going to spend an hour and 20 minutes wearing me out to get that joint box submission on me if I'm any good at what I'm doing. And fans weren't going to stand for that. So wrestling changed. And it became theatrical. They put in time limits. Then you saw drop kicks and punching and hitting and kicking. Here's the kind of men that Earl Caddock and Joe Stecker were. So they sell out Madison Square Garden, January 30th, 1920. Next day, they meet within the promoter's office to get their paychecks, huge paychecks. I think Joe got 20000 for that match, and the average working salary in America was 2200 And Earl got like 23000 because he was the champion. So the promoter says to them, hey guys, we just sold out the biggest arena in America for wrestling. We're going to go all the way across America, Joe Stecker versus Earl Caddock. We'll sell out Chicago, Indianapolis, Des Moines, Omaha, Seattle, Kansas City. Joe, you'll win the first match. Earl, you'll win the second one. The third one will be a draw. You'll do this. We're going to work the matches. Now, I'm sharing something with you that Earl Caddock sons told me standing in front of his gravesite in Walden, Iowa, 20 years ago. Joe and Earl don't say a word. They walk out of the promoter's office and they're walking down a street in New York City. These two great Midwestern wrestlers. And Earl looks at Joe and says, Joe, I can't wrestle fake matches, set up matches. That's not who I am. I don't care how much money we can make. I can't do it. Joe Stecker stops and looks at him and he says, Earl, neither can I. Earl Caddock and Joe Stecker could have sold out every wrestling arena in America and they wouldn't do it because they wouldn't cheat the fans, they wouldn't cheat themselves, and they wouldn't cheat the sport of wrestling. All right. So thank you for watching that. So um, hopefully that really clears up the idea where uh, just almost like the the attitudes of the audience kind of changed over time. So then, um, you know, even the promoters and, you know, we still see even today that uh, WWE and stuff like that is really popular. Um, so you still have these shows uh, that continue on today. Um, you know, whereas even what folk style or not folks, uh, freestyle wrestling in the Olympics got eliminated, right. From as being one of the events. So, um, 
and even they were trying to they they still try to you know have short time limits no submissions uh all these points for things and if someone has to win even if it's tied uh, without doing any like real overtime or anything like that so um uh you see how um you know sometimes even real wrestling uh, is not as attractive i guess or um the different things about it but the thing is is like grappling is uh, really popular so i think you know if if you know catch wrestling is one of the things that uh can grow and um you know but you know like I, kind of like how how we do it we have like a 20 minute time limit and whoever's the most dominant wrestler if they do not get the pin or the submission uh the most dominant wrestler will win uh, so that we do have criteria for that, but again, no points. Points are real garbage. They really don't show the dominance. Um, right. All right. So Shinhee is wondering about the double wrist lock and stuff like that. So maybe next time we'll we'll work on that. So going or we'll talk about that. So also this whole uh, episode was uh, from another CWA Academy member asking about that comment that uh, Mike Chapman said in his in that video that you saw about Matt wrestling being one of the things that destroyed professional wrestling. It, it made uh, it went from catch wrestling to predetermined matches, right? So, um, so Shin he's also requesting something. So, uh, in the comments, go ahead and request or you know ask your questions. You know, feel free to. Um, um, you know, kind of spark a conversation so that, you know, we have plenty to talk about every week. Um, you know, I really appreciate all your comments and, um, yeah. Um, and just watching. So, um, there's plenty we can talk about because yeah, again, ultimately, uh, I think people don't realize how things have changed so that they're kind of influenced by a certain mainstream mindset. So nowadays, almost like the average grappler is really influenced by the mainstream jujitsu mindset. So um, the idea of a pin uh, might seem like really strange uh, until someone like some wrestling guru like John Danaher uh, talks about it or speaks well of the pins, right? Um, so it kind of points out these things. So it's like people who are almost like who are considered to be thinking out of the box or whatever finally bring the old uh, the old notion back to back to the mainstream. And so uh, let's go ahead and bring this quote up from Mike Chapman talking about the pins, where he says, you can fall into a joint lock submission at any time in a match, and somebody can say it was a fluke or you got caught. But when somebody puts you on your back and holds you there, and you're bridging and fighting and arching, chances are it wasn't a fluke. You were put there. That's what, uh, quote unquote, Mike Chapman, right? So and from 2018. I wonder if that's from one of our other videos. <laughs> I interviewed him specifically about the pin uh, one time. You can find that on our YouTube channel as well. Also, speaking of our YouTube channel, you can become a member of our YouTube channel. Uh, we try to put, we have different tiers. We try to put different videos uh, behind the paywall. Um, and uh, we try to just keep updating that. Sometimes we've done uh, like alternate endings, like so some, some submission endings. Uh, that we didn't put on our main YouTube channel. Uh, we have like demonstrations up there. We have uh, uh, some other fun grappling videos. I want to put some more up there of um, like some of our trainings. 
uh, in our like at Fight Science MMA and may probably hopefully uh, maybe soon from some of our trainings from UCLA. Um, so well, there's a bunch of different things up there. Uh, so consider becoming a member to really support us as well. Or if you want to train and you're nowhere near myself or John Strickland on the East Coast or or Wigan in, in Wigan in England, um, uh, you know, feel free to uh, join the CWA Academy that's on our website. So catchwrestlingalliance.com. Um, so you can check out our website. Uh, we also have different courses available there. Also, we'll be adding, um, if you want more one-on-one -on -one coaching, I'll be adding that to the website as well because uh, some of you request that and um, uh, there's an easy way to get that on onto the website to just make it accessible for everybody. So we'll work on that too. Uh, we can work on you know wrestling coaching, but also strength and, strength and conditioning coaching. I used to be, um, I, I've... I've worked in gyms forever. It's a, I used to be a trainer for UCLA uh, as well. Uh, so, uh, so there. So there's plenty of things on the the our website for you. Uh, plenty of ways um, for you to uh, continue supporting if if you if you want. All right. So thanks again for um, just for listening or watching, whether it's a podcast or our YouTube channel or Twitch. Um, thanks again, and together we can keep real wrestling alive.